0: Do you remember when you were young and your parents used to say to you, screaming out the back door, now play fair! I had three older brothers and a younger sister and I often heard that, play fair! And play fair can work as a parenting principle because you have to argue over who's on whose team in sports and kickball and what TV program you're going to watch, because when I was a kid, there was only one TV in the house. How many remember that? So we had to figure this out. But the rule to play fair, though it can work as a child and as you raise kids, it is devastating to a marriage. Because to play fair means... You treat them good when they treat you good, but you treat them bad when they treat you bad. Is that not fair? Good for good, bad for bad? That's what playing fair is all about. So it can work with kids and parenting, but it is devastating to a marriage. It is devastating to a dating relationship. It is devastating to a friendship. So this series of sermons I'm going to do this week and next week There's more to marriage than love. This has to do with not just being married. This has to do with importance about relationships and about problems. And I'm doing premarital counseling to those of you that are not married, that want to get married. I'm doing a little tune-up to those of you that are married. And I want you to listen to me about this, because when marriages run into little difficulties and, and conflicts, you need to know... Not to play fair, but to rise above the problem. And don't give your spouse what they deserve. You give them what they need. And what they need is a good dose of grace. And it's not easy to always do that, but it's very important. I taught my kids at a young age that life is about solving problems. And if you figure out that's how God set up the earth after sin, you're going to do really well in life. No one gets paid in this world without solving problems. Teachers solve education problems. Lawyers solve legal problems. Pastors solve spiritual problems. Some of you solve uh, accounting problems. Some of you solve counseling problems. Everyone gets paid medical problems. Everyone gets paid by solving problems. But then you have people, young people that are a little foolish saying, I can't wait till I have a problem free life. I can't wait till I have a problem free marriage. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. And the best thing about marriage is finding out someone who can help you solve problems in life. That and dating. I was down in the Dominican Republican and I was counseling, uh, trying to counsel uh, this one guy. This, these um, two African American people were in a van with us. And they were both police officers from Louisiana. And she was the sergeant and he was a cop. And he was drunk and she was not. And she was mad and he was having a fun time. And when he found out I was a preacher, he says, give us some counseling. <laughs> so I said, all right, I'll give you some counseling. It's called common sense, not even the Bible. A, B, C. He says, lay it on me. I said, A, hey, does she add problems or does she take away problems? He goes, oh, she takes away my problems. And he goes, and she goes yeah, and he adds problems. <laughs> and I said, then run. Because the problems they add to you when you're dating, what I say to my boys, multiply that by 10 when you say, I do. If he or she helps you solve problems, don't marry them, but consider it. (laughs) B is belief system. A Christian shouldn't marry a Buddhist, a Muslim shouldn't marry a Catholic. You marry someone with the same belief system. And then C, credit check, credit check. There's more to marriage than love. Last year, I had a woman from my last church call my wife and I up crying her eyes out. She married a guy that she thought was God's will. I didn't do the marriage, but uh, she she was very close to us. In fact, she visited us two years ago uh, with her husband. Well, he's a con man. He's a con man. He got into her accounts and took $100,000, destroyed her credit, and she called us up crying. And I'll tell you what happened. She never did a credit check. Oh, we're in love! There's more to marriage than love. Do they add problems? Or do they have the same belief? And if they do love Jesus Christ, they will be honest with their finances. Better listen to me. You you know I tell my boys now I speak hard truth to you sometimes but you can hate me now and love me later or I can tell you lies now and you can love me now and hate me later why didn't you say so There's more to marriage than love young people so much more and uh, you need someone in the marriage who can work you need someone in the marriage who can make money you need someone in the marriage who can cook you need someone in the marriage who can clean. You need both of you to work on communication, and that's the one I'm going to focus on um, today, the discord and communication. I would say the biggest problem, and I'm preaching to myself too, the biggest problem with communication is often we listen not to understand, but to reply. The biggest problem with communication is that we listen so we can reply instead of listen so we can understand. You with me? And that's what we got to work on. We have to work on that very much. And so we're going to talk about different types of love today. In the Greek, there are four different types of love words in the Greek. In the United States, in English, there's only one. And so it's confusing unless you know other languages. So you say, I love my wife, Cindy. And I love a good ribeye steak. And I love the New York Giants. And I love my mutt. And it's all in the same with my wife, food, animals, sports teams. And there's more to marriage than love. Young people, you better know what love you're talking about before you ask someone to marry them. So how do you resolve these conflicts in a marriage? What are the rules we should abide by? When should we resolve conflict in a marriage? And is there really some type of code of conduct that you should talk about before you get serious and proposed? Or do we just believe in Hollywood, love, Hollywood love. Well, why don't you ask Tom Cruise about that? (laughs) All right. Let's get to our passage of Scripture. And why don't you stand up with me? We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. We are reading through the Bible. And we're in 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to talk about this love passage. And let's try to read it together. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. And I'll try to read slow. Reading with me. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am what? I am nothing. And though I bestow all my finances to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned for the sake of Christ, But have not love, it profits me. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity or sin. But rejoices in what? How many know you can't have love without truth? You want to know why so many people in our nation hate the truth? Because they don't have no love. Read this with me Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, let it change our hearts this day. Father, baptize us with a baptism of your love, heavenly love. I pray, Lord, for the young people and the married people and the single people, people that want to be married, that they would not compromise in their relationships, and their friendships with these principles. Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Love never fails. Now, what type of love is this? Is this my love for a uh, filet mignon? Is this a love for my dog named Molly? Or is this a love for my wife? What type of love are we talking about? Well, In the Greek, there are four words. I'm going to give you three of them. The one is called phileo, where we get the English word Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. So a phileo love is I love my brother Ron. All right. I can love my spiritual brother, my real brother, my sister. It's it's a brotherly love. Very important. A second word for love is eros, where we get in the English erotic. It's more of a sexual love that's intended between a husband and a wife. All right? A lot of young people think they know better today. They think they can have this erotic love without marriage. But what they don't understand when it comes to love, the greatest picture of marriage is Jesus Christ and his church. And they are to be faithful to one another. And the gift of erotic love is virginity, to your spouse, the greatest gift that one can give to their spouse is their virginity. And the act of marriage is not a piece of Connecticut paper that says, by the authority invested in me by the state of Connecticut, I now pronounce you husband and wife. The act of marriage is when they give erotic love to one another that consummates the marriage. It is what is important. And by the way, If people marry without their virginity, it's not that you can't be forgiven. All right? But if you want some pastoral advice, you better make up for that gift of virginity you gave to someone else with a very expensive gift. It's not the end of the world, but it is intended for your spouse. Phileo love, erotic or eros love, And now the love from this passage, agape love. Anyone know what agape love is? Agape means unconditional love. It means you can treat me like dirt, and I'm still going to love you back. You can scream and holler at me. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you need. And I'm going to rise above, and I'm going to give you grace and love. That's what I'm going to do. And this is the agape love that we're talking about. Now, my wife and I have been married for 32 years this coming summer. summer, And uh, we've been uh, pastoring for 31 years. And we have counseled a lot of people. God has blessed me in order to get an education. He's given me the hearts, the desires of my heart. Psalm um, 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I wanted to get a bachelor's and a master's degree. And the Lord blessed me to get that. And with that, I've had psychology, sociology, counseling sessions, graduate sessions, you know, in seminary with counseling. And I've learned a lot about human behavior, relationships, marriage. And I've read all those books and all those articles. 99 keys to have a good marriage. 50 keys to be a romantic. (laughs) 25 musts for a successful marriage. And after about 12 years of reading a lot of these good things, I believe God helped me to narrow it down to five principles that if you abide by this in your relationships and in your marriage, you will have a good life. And if you don't agree to these, you will have more problems than God intended for you to have. I mean, you know, you can have more than what God intended. Just disobey Him. You'll have more than what God intended. And so today I'm going to give you two of these, and then next week I'll finish up. Oh, look at that, Roger. Well, I was gone, my clock died. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So, I'm going to give you these rules of solving problems, resolving conflicts, all right? Very important. And every conflict, every problem you have in life and in a relationship, in a marriage, is like a little spark. And it either blows up or you put it out. And everyone brings two buckets to every conflict. You either bring a bucket of gas or you bring a bucket of water. And do you know what releases the bucket of gas over the spark? What comes out of your mouth? Do you know what releases the bucket of water on the spark? What comes out of your mouth? Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit, whether it's good fruit or bad. And then Proverbs 18, 22. Interesting that God put this right next to this 21. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Isn't it strange that that verse is right after how you use your tongue for good or bad? And so let's, let's get into this, all right? And your outline. How do you resolve problems and conflicts in your relationship in your marriage in your friendships. Well, this is the first one that I've learned. It's called attack the problem, not the what? Say it with me. Attack the problem, not the person. One more time. Attack the problem, not the person. Now, it's important that you understand that when you are in an argument, and I'm just going to use your spouse its natural response is to get defensive. When your wife hollers at you or your husband hollers at you, it's natural to just get defensive because usually when you begin to argue, you pick on their weakness, you, pre- you pick on their inabilities, you pick on their character flaws. Those who love you most can hurt you worse. And so we nat- naturally, we just argue and we come after people And what you need to understand that the way to attack the problem and not the person is to just pull back the emotion, and you have to ask yourself, what are we arguing about? What is the issue? Uh, A long time ago, my wife and I were we got in an argument, and we we were going on our first vacation. These lights went off. We were going on our first vacation without our kids. Now, every time we went on vacation with our kids, we always fought, we always fought. So we went on this vacation, and we were driving to Florida, and we started fighting, hollering at each other. And then I said, why are we arguing at each other? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> True. And I said, let's blame President Bush, it's Bush's fault. <laughs> we got, I, we, still to this day, we remember that, and it's like, we gotta learn to have vacation with each other without the kids. We don't have to fight because the kids are not in the back seat. Are we there yet? i got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I'm hungry. So when you argue and you're looking to attack the problem, not the person, you remember Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The next scripture, Ephesians 4, 2 says, with all lowliness, or humility, and gentleness, and with long-suffering. What's long-suffering? Long-suffering is patience times ten. Bearing with one another in what? agape. Not phileo, not fighting fair, but I'm going to love you no matter how you holler at me, what you throw at me, what digs you give me. I'm going to not give you what you need, or not give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you need. Now, One of the things that my wife and I, when we do premarital counseling, and this is a refresher for Matt and Sammy Gambardella because we taught them these principles, but when you have a problem in a marriage that needs to be resolved, um, one of the ways to throw water on the spark and not gasoline on the spark is to never use the word you when you're trying to resolve a conflict. So you don't say you idiot. You always. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. One of the ways to resolve conflict is for you both to agree to never use the word you, because you is gasoline. All right? Now, let's say we just come from the Super Bowl last month. Let's, let's use this as an analogy. Let's, use a, let's say that a husband goes out, and he comes home three days before the Super Bowl. And he goes, honey, I just saved us $1,500. And She goes, oh, boy, what did you buy? I bought an 82-inch Samsung LED for the Super Bowl. And it was $4,500. I got it for 3000. I saved us 1500. And she says, "What? Why are you so selfish? Don't you ever consider me? What about the kids? It's always about you. We haven't even paid off our Christmas card. What's the mistake she's making?" you and this is where things usually blow up now let me ask you let's see how you are define the problem define the problem it is not money it is discussion and communication he broke the third rule of marriage from genesis 2 I preached on this a few years back. The law of priority, the law of pursuit, the law of possession, and the law of purity. The law of possession goes like this. You do not possess your body, I possess it. I do not possess my body, you possess it. And together we co-own, co-administrate this marriage and this family. We do not make decisions independent because you don't own your wallet. I own it, and I don't own your wallet. You with me? He did not discuss the co administration of a major purchase. Now, in this church, with me in the relationship with the board, uh, the board says, Pastor, you can spend up to $500 without our permission, all right? But anything over $500, please run it by the board first. And so that's what we have. I mean, it's not a bad idea to have something like that in a marriage. Good. You have to agree by this. Now, with my wife and I, it's usually a couple hundred bucks, but if she has $1,000 in the bank and wants to go buy a $900 purse, uh, she can go do that. It's her money, but if she wants Big Daddy to chip in, she better tell me. (laughs) But if it's all her money and she's been saving... And usually her savings account's bigger than mine. How many know it's it's a little different? But we can talk. You know, we talk about that. This is the problem. What she should have said is, Honey, I feel really hurt with the decision to purchase the 82-inch TV without first checking with me. I thought we talked about our finances after Christmas, and that we probably spent too much on Christmas with our kids. Now, it makes me feel insecure, hurt and unloved that we did not discuss you oh not you the television purchase. Do you notice no you was used? We, us, are, and then he would feel like an idiot and say, you're right. We did not discuss, we did not communicate. The problem was communication. Attack the problem, not the person. It's really a communication. That's the number one reason for divorce. Second is money, third is sex. But I can tell you when it comes to sex and money, it all goes back to what? communication. You've got to learn to speak and speak words of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So attack the problem, not the person. Let's get to the second one quick. Bedroom solitude. Now, this is for married couples, but bedroom solitude. What does that mean? A, attack the problem, not the person. Don't use you. Use I, me, we are. Don't use you find the problem. B, bedroom solitude. This is one that most people don't know, but it's you never, ever, ever, ever fight in the master bedroom of the house. Never fight in the master bedroom. Never, ever, ever fight in the master bedroom. The most important bedroom in the house is not the kitchen, is not the man cave, is not the TV room. It's the master bedroom. This is my counsel. The most money should be spent outside the kitchen because of refrigerators and other things should be the master bedroom, not the TV room, not the man cave. Husbands should let their wives get curtains that they want, get the bed quilt and uh, the dresser and whatever else they want to get. My wife and I, a couple years ago, we went and bought a a new bed, bed frame, and she got a, um, a dresser. I didn't want to get a dresser because I bought my dresser five years before. And so we communicated. And I said, honey, my dresser is red oak. Why don't we try to find something and communicate with red oak? So we went to the store. We talked. We argued. We talked. We argued. We decided on something that was redwood, which would match my dresser, which would save me another $900. She got what I got, what she wanted, and the bed matches and everything else. And that's how we work it out. By the way, in our marriage, we desire to argue before a decision, not after. Think about that. And we usually do. I like dark curtains. She likes light curtains. I like dark stuff. She likes light stuff. I like contemporary stuff. She likes antiques. (laughs) So we, we have to communicate a lot. All right? Doesn't mean she's wrong. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Just means we have to talk about these things. So in the Old Testament, they had this thing called the tabernacle, which became a temple. And then uh, there are three parts. There's the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And the outer court is where the people would gather. In the holy place, only the priests could go in. And in the holy of holies, only the high priest could go in once a year. They would tie a rope to his ankle. And on his priestly garments, he had pomegranate and a bell, pomegranate and a bell, pomegranate and a bell. So when he would go in through the curtain into the holy holies, they would hear the bells, ding, 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 ding. And when you heard this, he was dead. (laughs) And they would take the rope and, you with me? Now, the Holy of Holies was a place of honor, holiness, and respect. What's the whole point, Pastor? The master bedroom of your house is to be the Holy of Holies. And it ought to have all honor, respect, because in your master bedroom, you sleep, you communicate, you're naked, you change. You have sexual intimacies. You, some of you have your devotional life in the bedroom because it's the most peaceful place of the house. It is to be treated with such honor and holiness and respect. Now, when I was young, I, got, I was the third boy, fourth boy, and I always seemed to get in a lot of trouble. I got spanked a lot when I was young. And because they spanked me a lot when I was young, I developed this psychological condition known as respect for others. Because I was often spanked because I didn't respect my sister or my brother or the neighbor or any and so when I would they would and it developed respect. How many know we have a problem with respect today? Now I'm not saying spanking's the only way. The only thing about spanking is the purpose of spanking is to inflict some type of pain on the person for the wrong choice of disrespect. So if you can do that by taking away the Xbox, the keys to the car, grounding, if timeout works, have at it. But to me, I would rather have, it's over. Ow. It's over. But if you don't inflict pain for a bad decision, you're teaching your child, you don't have to respect anyone, and you're entitled to it. And then we wonder why our nation is divided. <laughs> so you need to have respect for that master bedroom and resolve there. So how do you do it? You, you know you're fighting. How do you do it? Well, number one, parents, be the parent. Don't let your kids be the parent. When you're having an argument with your kids, you tell your kids, kids, mommy and daddy are having a disagreement. Go to your rooms. Kids, mom and dad have to resolve a problem. Go outside. You know you can do that, right? Parents, you can do that. You don't argue in the bedroom. You tell your kids, we have to resolve. a Now don't lie to your kids so they grow up and think, my parents never fought. And this woman always fights with me, so I'm divorcing her. Let your kids know problems are a part of marriage, and what you do is you don't scream, but you resolve them. Some, some parents don't want their kids to, to ever know that there's any issues or problems or sex or anything in a marriage. It's downright fantasy land. Let your kids have a little, you know, reality about this. So when they grow up, they're not out of touch with the real world. And so this husband and wife woke up and the wife's curling her hair and the husband goes over to the desk and he's writing something and he says to his wife, honey, how do you spell Mississippi? And she says back, the state or the river? And he starts laughing. And she says, are you laughing at me? You think I'm stupid? No, you can't say that when you're married, Glenda. (laughs) You think I'm stupid? They just got up. They're getting dressed. They haven't had breakfast. The blood sugar is still low. How many know most murders are committed in the world when blood sugar is at its lowest? It's before breakfast, lunch, dinner, and midnight. What should he do? Well, they're in the bedroom. She's mad. The river. You say, honey, let's step outside. Let's go in the hallway. Now, honey. I did not mean to say or imply any stupidity with my laugh. My laugh came out at the wrong time. I'm sorry that I hurt. And don't say you, just point. I'm sorry that I hurt. And it just caught me a little funny, caught me funny at the wrong time. I know you were serious when you said the river or the state. But I'll go look it up on my iPhone. Siri, how do you spell Mississippi? (laughs) That's how you deal uh, with bedroom solitude. Number one, attack the problem. Define the problem, not the person. And then number two, bedroom solitude. Argue anywhere in the house. All right, try not to argue in front of your kids. Send them to their room. But don't argue in the bedroom. You know, my wife and I honor our bedroom so much. This is not a biblical principle. We don't even have a TV in our bedroom. We will let no TV in our bedroom that will distract us from one another. Now, that's just us. It's it's not the 11th commandment. All right, I'm not saying that. You may have a TV and that's fine. But for us, the bedroom is so important. It's so important. And you know what? Every 10, 12 years, my wife redoes our bedroom. Hurts me a little bit because it costs money. (laughs) But my wife is a great decorator. And when I married her, I found out there are bedspreads for the fall, for the winter, for the spring, for the summer. But our bedroom is beautiful and it's peaceful. And my wife has never put me in debt with frivolous spending. Never. And I'm blessed. And though I sometimes may break a rule or two, if I break A or B, she says, time out, you broke a rule, go to your corner. If you break a rule, you stop arguing until the other person admits they broke the rule. How I many you know there are rules for hockey? How I many you know there's rules for uh, IRS? How I many you know there's rules for politics? How I many you know there's rules in church? How I many you know there's rules at school? How I many you know there's rules at work? And then you don't think there's any rules for marriage? No, God wants us to be wise. Attack the problem, not your beloved friend, spouse, sister, brother, and then bedroom pro- bedroom solitude. Honor the bedroom as if God is there with you. And He is. He is. Amen. Would you stand with me? Amen. If you're married, take the hand of your spouse if she's here. Father, I pray especially for the spouses, whether their spouses here or not, I pray for them today. And I pray for the young people and those that are single, Lord, that they will hear this message from your word, principles from your word, and will acknowledge it as helpful in truth. But love rejoices in the truth, and truth must be spoken in love. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that. We pray for an increase in the couples here in that agape love, that we would not give one another what they deserve, but what they need. And Lord, we need more of your mercy and grace and agape love so that we can give it to our friends, our children, our siblings, and our spouse. Lord, help us to be examples. Lord, we want faith. We want to be blessed in our finances. We want to be sacrificial with others. We want to take care of the poor. But Lord, we want it to flow out of a heart of love and not separate from it. And so Lord, we pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching from the Word of God. My name is Paul Height. I'm the pastor of Evangelical Christian Church, located at 1325 Watertown Ave. in Waterbury, Connecticut. We would love to have you join us and worship Jesus Christ this coming Sunday at 1030. Now may God bless you, and may He continue to cause you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of His Son. Jesus Christ.